Howley Virgin. What's that? exclaimed Mickey McSquizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to mystery TV. Each week we dig into an episode of a show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. But boy, there are some things we don't love about this episode. <laughs> this week, Murdoch Mysteries, I, Murdoch. Season 2, Episode 8, my name is Mark. I'm Sarah. This is a spoiler podcast. We're going to ruin it. We're going to give it away. No, we're not, because it's not solved. It doesn't matter. If you let your kids ride around in giant robots with guns. You're a bad parent. You're a bad parent. <laughs> and they can listen to the podcast. <laughs> so people who are good parents who wouldn't let a small child wield a war weapon shouldn't listen? Is that what you're saying? I guess not. Sort of. <laughs> There's so many problems here. <laughs> For a show we really like, we got some bones to pick. It's just a weird episode. Mm. Before we dive in, just one quick announcement. The newsletter that comes out once a month is going to come out this week. If you're not subscribed, you should, because there's always good stuff in it. It only comes out once a month, and there's no ads or stuff like that. In it, Link so. in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yep. I'm Murdoch. I'm Murdoch. Original air date, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, mm. 2009. Really 10 years almost to the day before the pandemic. Directed by Lori Lind and written by Lori Spring. Two different Lori's. Before we dive in, I want you to tell me one thing. What is your biggest problem with this episode? And tell me briefly, not in detail, because we're going to dive into it. But what is your biggest bone to pick? Can, can I have three? No, one. One. Uno. Okay, okay. If I'm forced to pick one mm -hmm. and not three, mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention the no, fact. No, no. Give me one. <laughs> I don't want you to give everything away. I just want you to say, what, what is the one thing that bothers you the most? The one thing that bothers me the most about this episode is the fact that there is no solution to the murders. Okay. Which, that is a bona fide thing for a show that is about mysteries, that they don't solve it. No. I think that's... Absolutely legit. There's not even a Pyrrhic video, uh, victory. No, no. Or a Prussian one. Oh. oh. My one yeah. is Enid. <laughs> she is. She is a whole character. So creepy. <laughs> Don't like Enid. And, and I'm going to say and Enid that is, I think my one is as legitimate as yours. Enid <laughs> is in 3,000 episodes, and by that, I mean three. It's three too many. We are a third of the way through the Enid Thank saga goodness. already. Thank goodness. So the first thing we don't like about Enid is the first thing in the episode, no, which is her son, Alwyn. No, it's no, not the first <laughs> thing we don't like in this episode. No, 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 no. Okay. You kick us off then. I don't like that this episode is called I Murdoch. <laughs> Which is a play on iRobot. Which is uh, from an Asimov group of short stories collected into a novel in 1950. I didn't realize it was so early. Okay. Did you notice that 
the robot in question is A, not a robot, and B, fails every robotic law in Asimov's robotic laws. No, but I do remember being disappointed once I learned that it was basically a mechanical suit and the episode was called I, Murdoch, that he never got in it. Yeah. Because I really wanted him to it get in it. It should have been called the Automaton of Murdoch or... Uh, but, of course, you can't say that off the bat because that would let away the end. But then we never find out who kills anybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some issues going on. George is working the big desk. Yes. George is the only one doing any actual work in this episode. No. Who Henry else? does some amazing detecting that we will get to in just a second. That's true. Henry looks weird. I think he has... Like he's grown his hair or something and he had to cut it or hide it or something. Like maybe he's playing another part. Yeah, he, he looks to... very weird in this episode. Yeah, we get this little joke where Alwyn, who's short because he's what, eight, can't be seen over the big desks of the desk sergeant. So yep. Crabtree's sitting there reading the newspaper and hears a voice from nowhere and it's I him. saw a giant silver knight. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. That's actually more accurate to what he actually yes. said than a robot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, Murdoch, being the kind person he is, says, well, come on, let's go look. Okay. Crabtree's like, kid, you're full of crap. Go away. Well, he also <laughs> says there's clues. Do you know where the word clue comes from? I do. You do? I do. Oh, that's cool. Where's it from? Because I know where it comes from because I'm a knitter. That's correct. <laughs> and now people are like, Huh? Because a clue, originally the word, referred to the end of a ball of yarn, something that you would pull to unravel a ball of yarn. Yep. And it's from the um, yarn that What's-His-Face had in the maze with the Minotaur. Yes. What's his name? Perseus? No. Sumius? Okay, wait a minute. This is like the fact that you were supposed to be telling me about. You don't know? No, I know it was part of the labyrinth, and the hero in the labyrinth is given... The ball of yarn. But you by can't his remember girlfriend. his name. I don't remember all the Greek names. Yeah, Arachne gives it to him. Yep. But it doesn't come out of her butt like a spider. <laughs> Even though her name is Arachne. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of episode. <laughs> it really did happen. <laughs> okay, so this kid comes into the station, you're working it. Do you go with him or do you tell him to bug off? I send a constable with him. Yeah. Not a detective. Murdoch's not doing anything. Apparently, what the hell is Murdoch doing? He's just checking the mail cubbies. Oh, I see it's shiny shiny. So obviously it was just Hunter. Why don't you why aren't you in school? Where are your parents? Yeah. Okay. So Murdoch goes down to the river with Alwyn, where Alwyn has been fishing before dawn. So at least the kid gets up early. Yeah. I respect that. It's not even breakfast time yet. Yeah. And the kid says, I saw a big silver man. I heard a big bang. A couple of bangs. Murdoch sees something reflecting light behind a tree and says, oh, well, it was just that. I think it's a boat. What is that? I think it's a boat. I tried to find out, but... A boat? Maybe an aluminum boat that hasn't been invented. That stood up on its end on the other side of a tree reflecting the sun, and there's something black to the right-hand side that looks like a man standing there. It's weird. I don't know what it is, but Murdoch looks at it and goes, well, obviously it was just that, but I don't know what that is. What is it? They never complete 
that sort maybe of, somebody else sort can of explain like the it. Murder is never. I, I took a screenshot of it because yeah. I thought, well, if, maybe if I blew it up or adjust it, or I don't, I could never figure out what it is. I peered quite closely at my television and could not come up with. I it. thought maybe he would reach into the branch and go, "Oh, somebody put a mirror up or in this branch." Or like something. there's but, a silver plate here. Yeah, or something. I, I don't. Something. I don't know what it is. No, it's a giant space knight. Then a man drops dead on the street after a blind man hits him with a cane. It is, it is. Like, I write comic books, okay? And it is a trope in comic books to put in a caption box. Meanwhile. Yeah. <laughs> and this cut is so abrupt and weird, I can see the meanwhile in the script. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh, really? But it's super realistic that Murdoch says, come on, let's get you home for your breakfast. And then Murdoch has to pick up Alwyn's stuff because Alwyn just goes walking off. He just takes off. Because that's what kids do. That's what kids do. They just leave their stuff. So a man is killed by a cane by a blind man. And we know he's a blind man because he has little black glasses. And a cane. And a cane. That he's whacking around. Yeah. And he hits him on the shin with it. And he says, aren't you, can't you see where you're going? And then realizes he's blind. He's like, oh, sorry, never mind. And then he he drops dead, pointing his finger. Ah, the blind man. The pointed finger. (laughs) It's a good corpse. It is a good corpse. With the pointy finger. Unfortunately, we never find out who kills him. No. Who is the blind man? Uh. No idea. Never. Did you notice the blind man is mentioned one more time and then that is That's it. it. That's it. So the way that he's killed is that the cane is probably pneumatic in some way, like a pellet gun. When the blind man hits Dolomore on the shin with it, it ejects the pellet into his skin. Yeah. And it's a little ball that is hollow, plugged with wax, and inside is prussic acid. Yes. This is a absolute direct reference to Georgie Markov dying in 1978 with the umbrella. The umbrella. And where did this happen? That happened in London, but it was yeah, rice it was ricin. Ricin in the- instead of uh, prussic acid. Yeah. But it's the very same MO. By the way, you want to go down a rabbit hole, start investigating that. Who did it? Who, Why Georgie did... Markov? No, we know who Georgie Markov it is. It was the Bulgarians. Yeah, it was Bulgarians, but it's like full of conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They never really solved it, right? It's like spy... Yeah, it's spycraft. It's total spycraft, yeah. So he dies from so what we're prussic saying, acid super fast, too. What we're saying <laughs> is it's okay to not solve crimes in real life, but... Not in not the in story a show. world. Now, come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the inference is that he was killed by his employers. Yes. That his employer arranged it. Yes. But it's never confirmed. No, it's never confirmed. So Murdoch walks Alwyn home. And when they're walking, we don't see Alwyn's mouth move, but we hear him. <laughs> because... We're going to insert a line of dialogue from Alwyn that relates to two episodes in the future. <laughs> Never work with pets, or animals, or kids, right? Yeah. They're unpredictable. Yeah. He's not a bad actor. No. But yeah, he reveals to Murdoch that his dad is dead and that his mom used to work for the telegraph office and she was really good at it. But now she has to stay home to take care of him, meaning Could- his dad took care of him before he died I while his mom was working guess? Or, or what? Telegraph was not an a, a, like a 
lucrative living. No, no, no. It was well. They live in a shack in the hall. No women made good money. No, if they had to work, it was because they had to, and they didn't get big salaries. Well, that's why they live in a tenement shack. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, that multi-million dollar row house. Oh, the two-story, probably three-bedroom brick. Yeah, yeah. With the beautiful porch and the yeah. landscaping. Life insurance. That's where widows live. Life. Who had to work. Life before their her. husbands died, but now don't have to. Yep. She bumped him off. This is totally, totally playing on Murdoch's. There's a young woman in trouble. Who a has damsel a child. in distress. Yes. So Murdoch is in. I think she sent all went out fishing, but not fishing for fish. Fishing for men. Fishing for a dad. <laughs> okay. George looks weird in this scene. I hate- no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So... Murdoch takes Alwyn home, meets her, and then Henry just appears on his bike. And looks really weird. How okay, does he you said know? that. But what's really weird is how does he know where Murdoch is? <laughs> Murdoch didn't like know. pick up the phone box and go, I'm following some strange kid home. I'll be back. Yeah. Like, I guess Henry just rode around Drove until he found him. around until he found him. He just went in every possible direction from the river. Maybe. Going, Murdoch, Did Murdoch. Murdoch even tell anybody where he was going? Well, Crabtree knew because yeah. Alan said where he saw the guy and he knew he was taking him back there. But that that's amazing detective work on Henry's part. So Henry and Murdoch leave. And Enid, who, and I'm going to get to this, <laughs> does not say her name. No. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Me Jones. Me and Mrs. Jones. You got a thing going got on? Got a thing going on. I got a thing with her. I don't like her. <laughs> um, she checks out his ass as he leaves. Totally checks out his ass. She Looks him up and down before she goes inside. And down. Like a predator. <laughs> <laughs> but Murdoch gives them his business card and says, if you ever need help, it's a little flirty on his part. Yep. He could have just dropped Elwin off safe at home and left. He has clearly moved from Dumpsville to Rebound Town. Yeah. Boing, boing, boing. What? I'm going to flip this on you. If that's all the bad part about the episode, what is the best part of this episode? Um, Myers. Terrence Myers. <laughs> An old friend of ours is here, says Crabtree. You know, the one with the Martian airship who chloroformed us. <laughs> And he's just standing across the street with his stogie and his top hat. Only a line that could come from Murdoch. <laughs> like, and the thing is, okay, like, that's a weird line. Okay. <laughs> now, we can't spoil things. No. Because we could say even stranger lines yes. than that <laughs> that are all true about Terrence But Myers. it's just a funny way to refer to him. You know, the one with the Martian airship who chloroformed us. It's like... You know, the guy with the time machine who gave gave us Spanish fly, you know? Like. That, that doesn't happen. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> the one with the Venusian snow sled who tried to garrote us. That old friend. Also not a spoiler. See, that's, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. The one with the hovercraft who stabbed us. That old friend, you know? All, all those things. But he's just, I had to listen to the whole thing to make sure it wasn't that's a spoiler. Not, that's not a prediction. He's just standing over there, and he knows they're going to notice him. But now, what we have to do, and this is for future episodes mm-hmm. of Murdoch when we cover them, whenever Terrence Myers appears again, we must come up with a funny... Yes. Oh, he's the one with the Prussian... 
murderer who didn't solve the murder. You know, the one with the flaming automaton that isn't one. Yes. That guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, Julia shows up to inspect Dolomore's body. There's all these people hustling out down the street, covering each other's faces. Oh, don't look. Don't look. And they just leave him there. And she's like poking at him. And he's got his finger pointed out. Like, cover the man up at yeah. least. They have a sheet, but... Everybody's just standing around being looky-loos. I love how Terrence Myers, the actor who plays Terrence Myers. His name is, is Peter Callahan. Peter Callahan goes, it was mere happenstance. And we know he's lying. I just happened to be hanging around. Just happened. And I saw that man die and I was curious. Uh, Ezra Dalmore, inventor, mechanical engineer, and professor of math. He has a great business card. He does. He lives at 37 Wellington, which is, of course, a ginormous bank now. No. Downtown. I like the font. It's in not the, his business it's card. It's in the, the banking district, the King Street Banking District downtown. Not only is he a mathematician and engineer, he is a man who has a maid, Mrs. Eason. Who has needs. <laughs> <laughs> She's a married woman, Mark. Yeah. But he's good with his hands. He's good with his hands. <laughs> The little bugger. <laughs> I can't tell how she feels about him. Oh, when she's she, distraught. She's really upset. But when she says he's a little bugger, it's almost like she's, she's talking mad. about him as a son. She's but mad then, that he's gone. But then clearly she uh, likes his hands. Yep. So that's not son behavior. Yeah. So I don't know how she feels about him. But he does have some chalkboards. Solve this nonsense here, George. Yeah. <laughs> George is like. Sir, I only passed like fourth grade math. Yeah. He's like, I just want you to write it down, you idiot. Just copy it down. <laughs> because, you know, Murdoch's going to be able to solve it. He didn't teach anymore. He worked at Hammerton Industries. It's not Hammertown. Hammertown Industries. <laughs> Where... His independent research was just blanketly funded so he could do whatever he wanted to, apparently. Having hung out with theoretical mathematicians for the last two years of my undergrad, they're weird like that. They just get money? Sometimes. To just write on chalkboards? Yeah. And come up with things that are improbable and impractical? I knew at least two who got hired at Microsoft to come up with ideas. That was their job. That's a pretty cool job, but yeah. it's got a lot of pressure. Yeah. So he was mercurial. Do you know where that comes from? No. Relates to the planet Mercury. Is it does it does it have a, a wishy washy attitude? It's it's a kind of thing related to zodiac and stuff like that. It's oh. perceived to be wishy washy. He's mercurial. Or your your mood and your attitude are easily changeable. Yeah. Right to the extremes, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so Hammerton is a generic industrial company that makes industrial machines. Yeah, I live in a practical world. Metal bangs. <laughs> <laughs> the hallway that they're in is clearly like a government building yeah, or something. And But yet there's banging off in the distance. So there is industry going on. And Dolomore's job was just to come up with stuff, apparently, specifically a computer, which Brackenreed is surprisingly knowledgeable about. Well, still Murdoch gets to correct him about formula or formula. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just so annoying. Yeah. 
What does he say? Crabtree and me, and he says Crabtree and I. Yes. Um, he's very pedantic. He doesn't need to do that. Anyway, when Murdoch says that he thinks the formulas would be used to control something going on and off, Crabtree says, oh, like like a computer, like switches in yeah. a computer? Yeah. Like, he's, he's on it. Yeah. I think he's reading Popular Mechanics or something. I think so. He's sharp. Um, until that rhubarb pie shows up. Well, the rhubarb pie is step number two in Enid's plan, evil plan, <laughs> to ensnare the Murdoch. I'm going to guess Alwyn didn't write that note. I'm g- guessing. Or bake that pie. He didn't go to school, so. <laughs> he can't write or bake pies. <laughs> I think she wrote that note. But she probably had him deliver it because, you know, he's eight, so he should just go wherever he wants to in a big city and nothing I will happen to him. Absolutely love how George and and uh, Bracken, Reed. Bracken Reed are totally on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, we'll take care of this. You you should go investigate, Murdoch. Yeah. This is our basket now. And Bracken Reed takes a lot of pleasure in snatching that note out of his hand and yep. reading it. So now we have to compare. Who wins in the gift combination? The bullet spoon, which is what Julia gives him, Mm -hmm. or the rhubarb pie? Oh, the bullet spoon is way better. The bullet spoon is way better. Yeah. Was Murdoch lost his mind He doesn't have to share it with anybody. Yeah. It doesn't go away when you use it. Like, come on, it's way better. Enid. What's in that pie? What's in that pie? So rhubarb, Hmm? rhubarb. British people know what rhubarb is. Americans know rhubarb. Yeah, I guess so. Rhubarb's good. I like rhubarb, but it is kind of a strong flavor with a little sour bitter. Could mask something pretty easily. I don't trust her. She's up to stuff. The former morgue of flirtation. (laughs) It's not the flirty morgue anymore. No, it's down to business. Isn't this weird? Let me explain everything. I may have answers, says Myers. He just <laughs> appears out of nowhere again. He's so creepy. I, I can't figure out whether he's supposed to be super bureaucrat or super spy or... He's a little Batman, too. Batman, yeah. I, he's a little bit of everything. But neither of them jump and go, oh, crap, it's Myers. Like, that's what I would have done. I, I would have thrown a scalpel at him out of reflex. I can pour <laughs> stomach milk in here, but you can't smoke in here. No. <laughs> but he just appears out of nowhere. Wouldn't they be startled? I would have been. Like, the- holy shit, it's Myers. And I can't believe the whole national security thing has already been out to them. Yes. <laughs> oh, national security. Oh, I guess we got to save the world. Mm. <laughs> Stomach milk. It's a Prussian agent, Casper Baumgart. So Prussia is Germany. Kind of. Well, Germany is Prussia plus other stuff. Yes. Yeah. So Prussia is 1525 to 1947. Mm -hmm. Of course, it kind of disappears. Changes. The Second World War. Yes. Um, it really doesn't have like it's it's not in its decline right now. This is 1896, but it's definitely not got a lot of time left. No, because isn't it run by a royal family? Yes. Which the soon to be born German state will not be tolerating. Nope, nope. Though yeah. they do try to hold on for a while. Yeah. They don't succeed. Yep. When they try the, to find their place, but they don't get one. When the Germans take over the royal families of Europe, which they're about to do, mm-hmm. they... Uh, they get ousted. Yep. But at this point, Castor Baumgart's... Baumgart's. 
the secret Prussian assassin gets thrown under the bus because Myers says, oh, it must have been him. He did it. I'll just give you a name. You go get him and trust me. You don't need any evidence. And I, I love the way Crabtree explains his investigation into trying to find Baumgart's. He says, well, first I thought, if I was Prussian, where would I go? But that was mostly the same places that I would go. Yeah. So that didn't work. (laughs) That didn't work. Because, you know, Prussians are humans, so they would go most of the normal places. But then I thought, the Prussian Social Club, that's someplace he'd go. (laughs) And he goes there and eats sausage and sauerkraut. And he's like, it was really good. Okay, did you find Baumgart's? Oh, no, he wasn't there. But he (laughs) found out information about He likes darts and Pilsner. Yeah. (laughs) It just made me want sausage and sauerkraut. So Myers Mm. mentions Prussian consulate here. You don't like sauerkraut, do you? No, I don't. I don't like pie either. And I don't like eating it. (laughs) So good, though. No. So he says Russian consulate here. uh, Prussian consulate here. Mm -hmm. Do you know why he says consulate, not embassy? Because it's not an embassy, because it's not the capital city. Yes. Right? So the embassy would be in Ottawa. Ottawa. Which is a very a exciting tiny place. City compared. Made completely of embassies. Kind of. There's a lot of government buildings in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dolomar's office gets ransacked, and we find out he gave his journals to Mrs. Eason for safekeeping. Yeah. And Murdoch and she didn't bother to mention that because she didn't think destroys it destroys that clock. Well, it's not running right, Mark. If it's not right, then it shouldn't exist. I'm just going to break it. So Murdoch opens the door. He notices things are ransacked. And what is the first thing he does? Grabs the clock and crashes it down. Before that. (laughs) I don't know. He takes his hat off. Oh. Why does he take his hat off? I don't know. It's weird. Because he's inside. It struck me as weird. He should take it off. But I wasn't talking about the clock. But- Dalimore made that clock and she loves him. And yep. that was like the only thing left. Yep. And Murdoch- here's his journals <laughs> and a letter to the prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> Trust no one. It was Mulder. It yeah. Was- Wait, why? I mean, he got killed and she didn't think that those would be evidence. Yeah. I'll just hold on to these that, you know, don't don't trust anybody, no matter who they say they are. And obviously he, he was working on the difference engine, the computer to run the automaton for the Canadian government on can, behalf of Hammerton. Can I have my two minutes here? Yeah. OK, you can't mention Babbage's engine without mentioning Ada Lovelace. Right. It is impossible. Right. And you shouldn't be doing it. No. You should be calling it Babbage and Lovelace's engine at the very least. Yes. Because she deserves as much she credit. She deserves as much credit as Babbage. And I would say that Babbage would probably agree with us. Oh, I think so too. So that's my two minutes. It didn't even take you two minutes. Good I job. Know. I'm a big fan of Ada. That would be a massive computing machine. I just use a slide rule and an abacus. It works for me. So Almond's missing, and the entire city police force is off looking for him. Sort of, whenever it's convenient. It's so many constables down by the river looking for him. I have in my notes later on, isn't there a missing child you should be looking for? But initially, everybody goes. Yeah. How they they just dedicate all of these officers to looking for one kid? Yeah, I mean, I, if it was my kid, I would want everybody looking too. But keep a better eye on your kid. You'd think after he, the the same morning he was down by the river and heard guns going off, at least you'd keep him a little bit closer to home. But now he's missing, and he's not a kid that you should let off on his own no. because 
He's dangerous. Wait a minute. We have to insert a thing about robots and machines running themselves. Okay, back to the story now. (laughs) Can I tell you about that for a second? Yeah. Before they find the person of small stature who is drowned. Yes. I'm already thinking Mechanical Turk. Yes. And then they find him and it's like, ah, of course, Mechanical Turk. So there's a whole history of automatons. And these are two things. One, they're machines that do little simple things that are mechanical. They're clockwork. They're like clockwork. So there were automaton dolls that pretended to draw or conduct music. A music box is an example. It has like a dancer or something like that. The things that were made in previous centuries are amazing. They're amazing. The Mechanical Turk is a fake. It was an automaton that was claimed to be a chess master when in actuality there was an actual short man underneath the table controlling it and playing chess. And And he was a good chess player. That's a machine. Well, it's not really an automaton. No, it's a machine. It's It's a puppet. It's a puppet, yeah, controlled by a person. Yes. And this robot is the same way. Yes, it's a giant Muppet. Because um, Big Littleman... Who yes. they find in the river yes. was driving it, right? Until he was poisoned with prussic, prussic acid by a mysterious person we never figure out. Yes. However, there was a robot in Canada at this time that is way more impressive than these fake automatons. That is not the same robot that's mentioned at the end of the episode. No. In that that fictional book that he gives to Alan? No. That book is based on this real robot. That's right. The real robot was in 1868. Wow. It's way before this. Yeah, like 20 years. Now, they were still 30. They were still sort of around. Yeah. um, But they didn't take off. But they were invented by a a guy who's got such a great name. His name is Zadok Dederick. Zadok Dederick. If he's not an evil scientist, like if your name is Zadok. Yes. He invented this steam-powered man. Yes. And it was basically a rickshaw driving robot. Yes. It pulled a rickshaw, like a little carriage behind it. But have you ever seen it? No. So Zadok's fear was that it would scare horses. Which was a big problem. So he made it look as human as possible. It had a hat and a mustache and a vest and a jacket. It had legs. It's not on wheels. It's legs. And they have photographs of this, right? There are photographs of it. We'll post one. Guess how fast it could go on flat road. 20 miles an hour. 30. Jesus. At this point in time, trains could only go 45. Its entire torso was a furnace. Guess where the steam exhaust was? Out out of its butt? No. His nose. Oh, dude. (laughs) which is kind of weird too. Yeah. He was in the process of inventing steam-powered stallions, which would have gone, he said, twice as fast because they had four legs. Yes. He wanted to race a train. Wow. But he kind of lost funding and people were kind of freaked out by the steam-powered man, so he gave up. But it is way cool looking. It is. But it's it's not a robot. No. It's a machine. You still had to steer it. Yeah. And control it's, its really an engine. Yeah, and control its speed. Yeah. But it looked like a man running. Its legs are wackadoodle. You should you, <laughs> wait till you see it. It couldn't wear pants because they would get caught up. Yeah. So from the waist up, he's dressed like a human man, but from the waist down, he's got these 
knobbly mechanical legs that end in shoes. <laughs> it's really weird. weird. To yeah. see it moving fast would have been so freaky. I wish there was like film of it. I would yeah. love to see it I would moving. Have loved to see film. It was so wacky. Yeah. So long before this is set, there was already a robot that was way more impressive than the robots they claim to have, except the idea is that the Prussian robot and the Canadian robot are actually automatons, meaning they are self-controlled. Yes. Which we don't really have today, necessarily. I mean, there are ones that can be programmed to do tasks. Yeah. And they problem solve things that they run into. But they're not capable of, like, marching down the street and deciding who to shoot. No. Which that Canadian automaton has machine guns for hands. Yes. So clearly it was puppet. meant. It's a Muppet, remember? It's not an automaton. I know, but they wanted it to look like an automaton yes. with the ability to shoot bullets. Asimov's laws of Muppets. Super fast. <laughs> ah, it freaks me out. This is the second little person reference in this season. Yeah. We looked up uh, how to make reference to people of short stature, and that is apparently. Little person. What they like to be called. Whatever. It's probably not universal. I'm it's sure probably it's not, not universal. We're not. We're trying to be inclusive as possible. I just want to point out that it's weird that it's a second reference to little people already in a episode, in a series in a season. Yeah. Well, Myers, among all of his other flaws, is a litter bug. He, of all people, should know not to leave his fancy cigar butts. He's the worst spy in the world. The time. Like he's the only one who smokes Cuban cigars in all of Toronto and he leaves a butt behind with the label still on it. Like, at least take the label off of it. Yes. That's that's poor spycraft, Myers. Murdoch also doesn't look after himself here. Should go <laughs> home, have a sleep. <laughs> Instead, he runs into Caspar the Unfriendly Prussian. <laughs> And his chloroform. Which is hilarious because we both had that in our notes. <laughs> the guy who... Terrence says it's you. Oh, never mind. Chloroform. <laughs> the guy who plays Baumgart's... Yes. Uh, the actor's name is Chris Holden Reed. Yes. And he looks exactly like the lead singer of Coldplay. He does. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, when I first saw him, I thought, how did they get the lead singer of Coldplay to guest star in a Murdoch? That's incredible. Yeah. But he's no. in another Murdoch, but he plays a different character. He's a Canadian actor who's also a pentathlete. Yes. For like the Canadian Olympic team. Yeah, or at least I think he was. So. Yeah. Uh, so he's no slouch, even though he's not in Coldplay. Okay. I was wrong. The best part of the episode isn't Terrence Myers. It's Murdoch fever dreams. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's chloroform <laughs> dreams. I don't know what chloroform makes you dream about, but usually it's not... Gestapo Julia. We have ways of making you talk, Murdoch. SNM Ogden. <laughs> so glad that she doesn't have an accent. So he's dreaming about her wanting to know whether he has a crush on Enid. Yeah. Like, what is their relationship? So is that, what do you think that means that he's thinking about that? I think he's worried because he actually loves Julia still. Mm -hmm. And that this Enid, he knows Enid's on the rebound. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Plus, he has the fantasies about <laughs> Julia being dominant. So I think he would he would love to think that Julia would be jealous. Yeah, I think he loves that idea. I don't know why she's dressed as a circus performer. But she's she's not. In reality, she's not. No, she's not. At least not yet. No. Get to the end of the episode. 
in a in a few episodes, you know, when she and Enid have that fist fight and she pops Enid in the oh, face. If only <laughs> kicks her down a cliff. And the sad thing is, and if this you've never is not watched a spoiler, this and you think we're is, being tough on Enid, you just wait. She's not bad yet. This just is, wait. This is over 10 years old, okay? So I'm not spoiling anything. But the resolution of the Enid situation, you feel nothing but sympathy for Enid because of what Murdoch does. I, I disagree. <laughs> I, you feel that way because you're a good person. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, kick her while she's down, kick her again. But you, we'll see. We'll see how people feel when we get there. Myers has a brand new super fangled movie machine. Film projector far beyond the kinetoscope. It's amazing. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it. What I want <laughs> is behind the scenes footage of this filming this. Oh, filming the movie that they show? Yes. The flaming automaton? It looks like it's on fire. It looks like a disaster. I don't know. The director going, cut. It's not Prussian enough. No. <laughs> His legs are too bendy. Walk stiffer. Stiffer. Look more Prussian. The ultimate war machine. It, But it looks like an accident. Like it looks like the Hindenburg going down, but yeah. on feet. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. But clearly, it will end the wars of wars because if we have those, if we have an automaton, nobody can defeat us. What's the best way to find Elwin? To go flirt with his mom? Don't apparently. look for him. Because <laughs> he'll find you. This is where he says. With his gun. This is where Murdoch says Enid, and she has never said that word. Are you saying that he psychically knows her first name? I don't know how he knows her first name. It's not psychic, I don't think. Maybe Alwyn told him. My mom's name is Enid. You'll need to know that when you fall Enid. in love with her. There was a lovely woman in the campsite next to ours when I was growing up named Enid. It's like Ed with a knee in the middle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This footage. He will be found. <laughs> the, the footage. I, I don't even. So I, I guess what we're supposed to think is the Prussians are pretending to have battle automatons. And so they have filmed it and then accidentally let the Canadians yes. get their hands on it. And we learned that in the spy versus spy scene. Yes. <laughs> but how much interaction would the Canadian government and the Prussian government actually had? Okay. This moment in time, no one, including the Americans, think the Canadians are anything but cannon fodder for the British. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do not think That's of what I thought too. Yeah. Not... Oh, those Canadian superpowers, they're going to have You have to realize Canada is not even 20 years old at this point. 30 years old at this point. Bracken Reed calls Myers a supercilious sod. And that is such an awesome insult. Yes. Supercilious sod. But then we have a spy versus spy scene where they have to confront each other and actually both admit that they were both faking having automatons. Coldplay with, and Myers have to say. actually admitting something. No, we don't actually have those. We have metal suits that we put short people in and make them drive them around. Well, let's go to Hammerton because it's hammer time. <laughs> hammer time at Hammerton. Where's my automaton? Well, all you have to do is look at the automaton-shaped hole in the wall. <laughs> because there's a giant metal hooligan on a rampage. Sure, it works now. With a child at the <laughs> wheel. A 
Okay. Okay. So, I love the automaton. I know it's awesome, but it is a big metal night. It is a big metal and night. Alwyn is completely accurate. Yep. So the real one had that big furnace. The whole like torso was a big furnace. Yeah. But this one has enough space for Alwyn to be in it. And yet yeah. it's still putting off all kinds of steam and steam stuff. Steam and all. And there's so a. So where is the fire? There's in an it? image of electricity too. Yeah. There's a bit. There's some special effects. There's like sparks and yep. and lightning zappy things. I love how they do a great job of not showing it to you. And then they're just like, here it is. Here it is. I think we're supposed to think that the Canadian automaton is electrical rather okay. than steam powered. Okay. Because those two things don't mix no. steam and electricity. No. Not not in this kind of compact form. No. That wouldn't have been good. And you certainly couldn't put a person in the mix and not have Alwyn get electrocuted and steam cooked at the same time. Yes. Which, by the way, would have been fine with me. But because yeah. <laughs> I don't like him either. But as soon as he turns and you see all of the the barrels on the hands of the guns. Yes. They're basically rotating machine guns, yeah, like Gatling, Gatling guns. guns. That's terrifying. Yes, in the hands of a child. He could have killed hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. But he was just driving it to show it to Murdoch. Yep, through the wall. Did you notice that where they kept it at Hammerton, they had all the chains to restrain it? Yeah. They what know that it? it's not real. It's just so weird. So was... Was Dolomore bluffing Hammerton? Like, did Dolomore know that it didn't work and he had a little person driving it but had convinced Hammerton that it did work? So Hammerton thought, well, we got to chain that thing up. Well, remember, Hammerton really wasn't even, uh, not Hammerton, Dolan was. Dolomar? Dolomar wasn't actually working on this. He was working on the the computer to control it. So who thought it needed to be restrained? No. Who was convinced that it was actually a, a self-controlled thing that would need to be restrained because it could go awry? I don't know. And what kind of kid sneaks into a factory and gets locked in, walks down a long dark tunnel to see a big monster restrained by chains and says, I'm gonna get in that. It's, <laughs> I mean it's Murdoch Robotech is come on. Is. <laughs> First, I got to stoke the engines, and then I got to get this battery plugged in, and then I got to undo all these chains. He can't and- even pick up his own things. He's not going to be able to know how to run the robot. And they've got the robot isolated in what looks like the basement, but it's not. It's not. But the only barrier between where it's kept and the outside world is a flimsy wooden wall that he takes a hard right and walks right through. (laughs) And then Crabtree and Brackenreed are just standing there with big guns going, it's a metal hooligan running amok. Let's go. I'm so glad they didn't shoot at it, though, because it would not have been bulletproof. If they no. had shot it in the back to take it down, they would have killed Alwyn. And then he would have been like a little tuna in a can. Myers, men in black totally arrive and take everything. People are on the street are screaming and falling down and like they're in a horror movie and running away. How do you think people now would react to that exact robot? They'd think it was cool and gather around it. Even with the gun hands? The gun hands, maybe not. But they think it was cosplay, not actual guns. I think so, too. Unless the guns actually shot. Like, if they saw it shoot something, then they would run. They would think it was 
yeah. murder tank or something. Yeah. Somebody on a rampage who's got too much time on their hands. But and until a, then. Automaton shaped hole in their wall. <laughs> until then, I think you're right. I think people would gather around it and think it was cool. They would assume yeah. that the guns weren't real. Yeah. And think it was super neat. Might think it was cosplay. And probably look for a hat to throw some money into or something. At least they don't shoot Alwyn in his tin can. Yeah. Because that would have been bad. Oh, well, the automaton's taken away and the investigation is closed officially. Next episode. What? Well. (laughs) Who killed the. (laughs) Meyer's men in black show up and take Hammerton off. Yeah. But he's. Playing I, the government. I don't think Hamilton is guilty of anything other than deceiving the Canadian government. I think they were pretending they had a finished product that they didn't have to keep getting government funding. I think that's all Hamilton did. And I think that's what's implied about Hamilton. So who killed the mathematician? And, and the, the little, little person, person. Big Littleman. I don't know. I don't know either. And it wasn't the lead singer of Coldplay. No, it wasn't Casper the Unfriendly Prussian. No. So I don't know who did it. I don't know. Which is not a good way to end an episode. I'll tell you what a good way to end an episode is. I hope you like pot roast. Here's a little tidbit. (laughs) Here's a little tidbit for Mark and Sarah to investigate. The Steam Man of the Prairies. Yes. The book that Murdoch gets for Allman. So this is a real book, right? Before we go into the book, can I ask you a question? Yes. What do you make of the scene where Murdoch leaves the police station and leaves Brackenreed to tell Julia all about the case? Um, and they're going to have some whiskey. Because I see the world in these terms. I have entitled it in my notes, actually. Mm-hmm. Poor Julia's in Dumptown now since Murdoch is in Reboundville with uh- Enid. <laughs> Do you think Julia is sad when he leaves? I think she is, but then she's like, okay, I'll have a whiskey with Brackenreed. I think she's disappointed not to hear the story from Murdoch. Yeah. But I don't know that she connects the dots that he's going to see another woman. Yeah. And necessarily. The ante is upped in the next episode. I realize this is an over over decade year old show. Murdoch gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And Julia and Enid both rush to him. Yes. And then it becomes. They have competitive caretaking. Competitive caretaking. <laughs> Enid sucks. <laughs> okay. The Steam Man of the Prairies was written by Edward S. Ellis. So this is a real book. First released uh, at this fiction time. dime novel. It was released in 1868. Oh, so it was contemporary with the actual Steam Robot. It's part of what's called the Edisonade genre. Do you know what that means? Edisonade? Yes. It sounds like a drink that Edison invented. <laughs> drink Edisonade. No, Edisonade is a genre of novels in which a young inventor solves problems in supernatural or amazing ways. Oh, like young Encyclopedia Brown. Young Encyclopedia oh, Brown, the Hardy Boys, I would say, is uh, some. But Steampunky. I'd even go so far as to say that maybe Batman's a bit Edisonade. I bit. would not agree with that, but okay. A little bit. So this dime novel is fantastic. So a little boy invents a, a steam powered robot on the prairies of Canada? No, it's US. Oh, okay. Um, so this was. Uh, Produced in nineteen in eighteen sixty eight, and chapter one is entitled "The Terror of the Prairies." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. I must read to you the first couple of paragraphs from this book. Oh, okay. Oh, it is fantastic. I'm ready. Howley Vargin. What's that? Exclaimed Mickey McSquizzle. <laughs> With something like horrified amazement. By the jumping Jehoshaphat, now if I don't beat all nature, it's the devil broke loose with the full steam on. There was a good cause for these exclamations upon the part of the Yankee and the Irishman uh. as they stood on the margin of Wolf Ravine and gazed over the prairie several miles to the north. Something like a gigantic man could be seen approaching apparently at a rapid gait for a few seconds when it slackened its speed until it scarcely moved. Well, it is the 1860s. We're not yeah. talking, you know, progressive thinking here. Howly bargain. There's bound to be some dramatic racism on the next page, I'm sure. H-O-W-L-Y-V-A-R-G-I-N. Well, that's got to be an Irish accent from yep. McSquizzle, Mix- right? Mickey McSquizzle. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do an Irish accent. Wow. I think I've already done my best with my New Zealand accent yep. in the last couple of weeks. I don't yep. want to push it. Bagora. But it's an old devil hitched with a throttling wagon, wild his old wife holding the reins, exclaimed Mickey. <laughs> Good job. Bagora. <laughs> he says Bagora like six times on this I don't page. even know what that means. Oh, jeez. It's so, it's so fantastically dime novelly and just fantastic. I love but it's it. absolute Murdoch too. Yeah, it is. Like I, I would not be surprised if Murdoch had seen, oh, what's his face, the inventor, um, in Murdoch, his his nemesis and friend, both. Uh, oh, the guy who invents the rocket car and all that stuff. Oh, the yeah, guy who goes, Pendrick. Pendrick, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Pendrick had the steam man in his garage or something, you know, like he collected it. It sounds right up his alley. He was born in, as Edward Sylvester Ellis was born in 1840 and wrote The Steam Man of the Prairies. He was already successful in the dime novel area at this time. Oh, you mean this wasn't like a, uh, like the greatest work of his life? Like maybe he just churned it out like over a weekend and published it cheap? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Howdy virgin. <laughs> Mickey McSquizzle. <laughs> you're you're making him sound like he's from Georgia and he's from Ireland. Oh, maybe maybe we have a listener from Ireland who can record that for us and uh, share share an audio file. With us. Best corpse. There's only one. Well, no, no there's, there's two. two. Oh, it's got to be Dolomar with his finger. Dolomar with his finger. Uh, but I do like that. The thing they do with the... Big Little Man? Big Little Man. He has no shoes on. Where they pretend he's a child for a little while. Yeah. Like, why is that? Because it could be Alwyn. It could be Alwyn. It's not Alwyn. Oh. Yeah. That and, that and then Enid's like, phew. It's a weird I guess scene. I should feel bad that another human being is dead, but I'm just glad it's not my son. Look at Murdoch's ass. <laughs> <laughs> he's so sexy when he's... Fondling a dead person's feet. I want feet. him to rub my rhubarb. <laughs> I'm going to feed him some pot roast. After the credits, the <laughs> crime is still not solved. <laughs> Hammerton is going to disappear. 
Yeah. And I don't know who's going to run his business. The automaton is going to disappear. I don't think we're going to see him or the mechanical suit again. I have have a note about that. Like, they go in Monday at work and Hammerton's not there. Like, his name is on the bill. (laughs) Well, we have to think that he's got a board of directors or something. Maybe. Maybe he's got some sons who can run it. I will say that we do see... Caspar, the unfriendly Prussian again, but not the the actor, not the yeah. character. Yeah. We see Holden, Chris Holden Reed again later, but yep. not playing this character. Yes. And the second time I saw him, I was like, is that the lead singer of Coldplay? No, it's Casper, it, the unfriendly Prussian. <laughs> so uh, Alwyn gets to go home and isn't even punished for threatening half of Toronto with machine guns no, and stealing a robot. and. Um, running away and being trapped for 24 hours and terrifying his mother, who, though I don't like her, I would not wish that on anybody. Terrence Myers returns. I guess Mrs. Eason is going to go home to her boring husband. I don't know who's going to get all a dollar more stuff because he's not married and has no kids. No. Maybe she inherits his chessboard and his broken clock. I don't know. Nice house. I don't know. We never, we don't see much of the outside. We see the door. Yeah. And I guess Casper uh, Baumgartz goes back to Prussia or the embassy or whatever. And Probably says, in his lifetime. They figured us out. Yep. Drats. Prussia no longer exists. Canada might attack us now that they know that we don't really have automaton soldiers. So maybe. September 6th, the newsletter comes out for September. <laughs> Sign up. You just like, that's it. That's I Murdoch done. Yep. Uh, September 11th, uh, we will have Murdoch Mysteries season two. Episode nine, Convalescence. Which sounds really boring from the title. But it's Hitchcock. But it's a Murdoch Hitchcock mashup. Yep. And it's not boring. And, and then September Enid 18th is more despicable. September 18th is episode 10, Murdoch.com, which has nothing to do <laughs> with the. Well, it does. It's fake internet. Well, no, it's real internet because the beginning of the internet is Telegraph. Yeah. So, but. Dot com. I'll rant about that at another point in time. Yes. You can find us on all the socials. Uh, If you're listening on YouTube, please take the time to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. It matters. We can find more maniacs this way. And check out the Instagram channel as well as following us on Instagram. We post some behind the scenes stuff and some secret messages you only see if you follow the channel. I've, I've uh, I've been doing reels that are not just music and text now i've been actually appearing in the reels even though your hair was crazy oh, that one time that one time my hair was definitely crazy and on a side note if you've got any ideas for uh t-shirt designs swag designs that you want to send our way yep. even if it's just a couple sentence descriptions send them along yep i'm looking for some ideas right now so i'd be happy to take them halloween's gonna come and go and we'll need stuff to do after that we'll be so bored all right until next time wow actually if you join the broadcast channel i can guarantee you're gonna get pictures of halloween before anybody else that's true yeah absolutely we'll post some up there yeah Yeah. all right until next time bye maniacs bye maniacs When he hits, um, uh, I lost it. The doctor. Sorry, rewind that. Uh.